1: you return that I might live
2: in my In charging Solomon to execute Joab, David is admitting in effect, he himself had been slack in carrying out matters that have to do with justice. He never dealt with these miscarriages of justice. Now, in this time of change and transition, what am I talking about, change and transition? Remember, David is passing into eternity, and now Solomon is going to rule in his place upon the throne of Israel.
0: At the end of David's life, he has a lot of reflection on his life and his ruling as king. We can look back and see all the ups and downs, and David can see where he fell short. He realizes that he had begun to become complacent with carrying out justice in his kingdom. In today's message, Pastor Mike will be looking at what this transition from one king to another looked like. It will also be clear that Solomon will be much stricter than David was when it comes to carrying out justice during his reign. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of First Kings chapter 2 as he begins his message, Make Your Stand.
2: First Kings chapter two. Title is Make Your Stand. Make Your Stand. Let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. We'll go ahead and get right into our study. Father, we pray now that you'd bless our time together. Lord, as we study your word. Father, we pray that you would open it up to us. God, that you give us understanding. God, that we would learn all of the lessons that are contained within it. God, that we would heed all of the warnings as well. Father, I pray that it would serve to just draw us closer to you. Lord, As we go through this chapter of your Bible, Father, we pray that more than anything else we would see Jesus, and that we would be conformed into his image. Lord, bless. Lord, every person that's here would imagine represents a need. Father, we uh, confess that we are a needy people. We've come, Lord, to learn of you, but also to receive of you. And so, Lord, together, Father, we just ask that you would bless, that you would minister and and meet the needs of your, your people. God, we thank you. Father, we'd also ask that the great teacher, who is the Holy Spirit, Father, would just have his way with us. Lord, that you would encourage, strengthen, challenge, rebuke, if necessary, deal with sin in our lives, remove that sin. Father, bless, and God, as always, would ask that my words would be your words. For we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So once again, this message, the title is Make Your Stand. Okay, so let me set up this Bible study for you. What we have here. In chapter 2 at least in the first part of chapter 2 is King David's final charges to his son Solomon. David at this time is about to slip into eternity and so he's carefully instructing his son Solomon who of course would now be David's successor to the throne. David he knew it was not enough for Solomon merely to have the throne But he must also know how to reign from that throne. Now David's charge to Solomon can be divided into two parts. So actually, this chapter can be divided into two parts. The first of which is David's call to obedience. So he is exhorting his son to obey the commandments of the Lord. Okay. so with that said, that sets the platform for this study. Let's go on now and read verses 1 through 4. Now the days of David drew near that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth, be strong therefore and prove yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn that the Lord may fulfill his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, You shall not lack a man to sit upon the throne of Israel. Now, notice here, he encourages his son Solomon to keep the charge of the Lord. That is, to do all that the Lord had required, as was recorded in the word. He also uh, charged him to walk in his ways, to walk in God's ways. That is, deliberately, consciously conduct his life according to God's demands. Then he also went on, notice here in our text, keep the Lord's statutes, commandments, judgments, and testimonies. And remember, last time uh, I broke down all of those different categories for you and what they referred to. So basically, what he's charging his son Solomon, conduct Yourself according to the directions of the Lord and to govern the nation according to God's laws. Also notice here in verse 2, and we touched on this last time together, how David connected maturity and manliness with calling Solomon to a devotion to God and his laws. It's found in that phrase, prove yourself a man. And listen, that's what being a man is all about. That's what it looks like. It's not some macho way that we carry ourselves. It's actually revealed in our obedience and our devotion to God. That's the real man. That's the real woman. And so obedience to God's word always brings great success, whether you're a king ruling a nation or a businessman or a businesswoman working in corporate American. So Solomon call to obedience. So that's the first part of this message here in chapter 2. Now this brings us to the second part of David's instructions. And this has to do with a call to justice. So that's our second point. And if you're uh, taking notes, write that down. Because really, all of what we're going to be talking about going forward now, the remainder of this chapter, has to do with David's call to justice. Okay. so let's pick up now in verses 5 and 6. Moreover, you know also what Joab, the son of Zariah, did to me and what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel. I'll explain all of this to you in just a moment, just in case you haven't been with us. The son of Ner and Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed. So notice he makes mention of the fact that Joab had killed David's commanders when he killed them, and he shed the blood of war, in peacetime, and put the blood of war on his belt that was around his waist and on his sandals that were on his feet. Therefore, do according to your wisdom and do not let his gray hair go down to the grave in peace. In other words, don't allow him to pass on into old age. Okay, so according to uh, David, this again is his call to justice. And also I want to mention, you know, some writers, uh, because of what is recorded here for us in verses 5 and 6, perceive David as abruptly falling from the top of a mountain to its bottom, standing at its pinnacle in his plea for obedience, but now he's falling when he calls for justice. You see, David's instructions concerning Joab and Shimei, who we will be introduced to in just a, a moment, for their death, David is actually charging Solomon to put these two individuals to death. We'll talk about Shimei in just a moment reflect in their opinion and this is the why they think that David has failed at this point in their opinion, this was a malicious and spiteful attempt and spirit, a vengeful one as well. Remember, David is calling for justice. But in spite of that, it seems, Bob, in the instructions that he's given to his son Solomon, that it comes off as malicious and spiteful and, and vengeful. Notice what David said. He said, execute a Joab. Now, remember, we've already talked about this. Joab, who happened to be one of David's generals, had committed crimes worthy of being put to death. He murdered two good men who are mentioned here in our text, Abner and Amasa. Israel's commanders. They were also members of David's administration. Joab also sided with Adonijah's bid. Remember, Adonijah was David's oldest son. His bid for the throne, even though Joab knew Solomon was to reign. And just a side note here, in charging Solomon to execute Joab, David is admitting, in effect, he himself had been slack in carrying out matters that have to do with justice. He never dealt with these miscarriages of justice. Now, in this time of change and transition, what am I talking about, change and transition? Remember, David is passing into eternity, and now Solomon is going to rule in his place upon the throne of Israel, and for the well-being of the nation, the message had to be sent the shedding of innocent blood, and that's what Joab was guilty of, would be met with swift and severe punishment. And so all of the inhabitants of the kingdom needed to know that. But then notice also in verse 7, so that's the reason why David charged his son Solomon to do that. But then also notice in verse 7, it's sort of tempered with what is recorded for us in verse 7. Let's go ahead and read that. But show kindness. So on one Hand, he's crying out for these men to be killed, but then on the other hand, he's asking Solomon to show favor to this particular individual. So let's read verse 7, but show kindness to the sons of bar the Gileite, and let them be among those who eat at your table, in other words, let them be as one of your own sons. For so they came to me when I fled from Absalom, remember Absalom's coup attempt, to unseat his father as king over Israel, your brother. Now this would actually have been sort of like an equivalent to having a pension for this individual. So, So what we have here then is David counteracting what might seem to be unworthy vengefulness on his part. Notice there in our text. And if you remember what had taken place, this fellow Barzillai, it it was someone who came to David's aid providing supplies for him during those dark days of Absalom's rebellion. And it's recorded for us, that account is recorded for us in 2 Samuel chapter 19. Remember we talked about that in, in one of our previous studies. But David was forced to leave Jerusalem because Absalom, his son, was seeking to kill his father David and unseat him as the king over Israel. But remember, Barzillai came to David's aid, and so David remembered that, and so here David is calling for the blessing of this man and his family. So again, this would have been the equivalent of receiving a pension for Barzillai and his family. Now, this counteracts what might seem to be unworthy vengefulness, as I've already mentioned, on David's part. Next, Solomon was to deal with Ashime. And remember now, this is all a part of David calling and exhorting Solomon to justice over the nation, to rule justly over the nation. Okay, so let's pick up now in verses 8 and 9. And see, you have with you Ashime, the son of Jerah the Benjamite from Berum, who cursed me with a malicious curse in the day when I went to Mahanim, but he came down to meet me at the Jordan, the Jordan River, and I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now, therefore, do not hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man, and know what you ought to do to him, but bring his gray hair down to the grave with blood. Okay, so let's back up a little bit just as a reminder. In Absalom's coup attempt, David was forced to leave Jerusalem with his family and his mighty men of war, and Shimei, a devotee of the house of Saul, David's predecessor, and this fellow Shimei didn't like the idea of David replacing Saul. In fact, Shimei actually thought that David had some role in Saul's death but of course that wasn't the case. You remember he was killed when he had gone out to battle against the Philistines. Well anyway, as David was passing by fleeing the city of Jerusalem, Shimei came out to meet David and his company and just laid David low. It's recorded first in 2 Samuel chapter 16 if you remember. And as they were passing by, Shimei was cursing David he was throwing rocks at David and his company as he passed. So, Shimei deserved to die for his actions. Remember, David was God's anointed, and this was forbidden to curse God's anointed. So, he deserved to die for his actions. But David, upon his return to Jerusalem, swore not to put him to death. And that account is recorded first and second Samuel chapter 19. But now... He has a change of heart, and he considers that pardon that he made a rash decision. He now realizes that Shimei was not sorry for his actions and that he would pose an ongoing threat to his son, Solomon, and his new administration. So in urging Solomon to deal with with him, David is not breaking his promise that he himself would not have Shimei executed. And once again, this is a matter of Solomon showing in a very strong way that treasonous acts, and that's what Shimei was guilty of, a treasonous act against the king, would not be tolerated. These were the messages that needed to be sent out to Israel from Solomon. Well, soon after David gives his son these instructions, he passes on, that is, he goes home to be with the Lord. Let's pick up now in verses 10 through 12. So David rested with his fathers and, buried, and was buried in the city of David in Jerusalem. The period that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and in Jerusalem he reigned 33 years. Then Solomon sat upon the throne of his father David and his kingdom was firmly established. So, David now goes home to be with the Lord. David, who was at one time a shepherd, a soldier, an outlaw, a king, a fugitive, a sinner, a saint, and a poet. And all of these experiences in David's life contributed to him becoming the man after God's own heart. You know, I think about all of the things and situations and circumstances that you know, we have to go through in our life's experience also contribute to our becoming a man or a woman after God's own heart. God has a plan and a purpose in allowing all of the things that come into our lives for a very specific reason and purpose. And what is that reason and purpose? To help us to become the kind of people, the kind of man, the kind of woman that God wants us to become. So anyway, as it relates to David, for 40 years, he reigned over God's people, bringing unprecedented power and success, defeating her enemies. He had established her worship. He ruled with compassion and justice. But now it's all over, and Solomon must follow in his footsteps. And therefore, we have the charges that David lays on his son Solomon before passing on into eternity. Now, before carrying out his father's charges regarding Joab, let's go back to Joab now, and she made these two men, he dealt with his brother Adonijah. And this was Solomon's older brother, Adonijah. And also the priest Abiathar. So let's pick up now in verses 13 through 25, and we'll cover this expositionally, and I'll make certain comments. So just you know, stay with me. Now, Adonijah, the son of Haggath, Haggath was also one of David's wives. David had multiple wives. And this woman, Haggath, had given birth to his eldest son, Adonijah, came to Bathsheba. And we're all familiar with Bathsheba, right? Bathsheba was also one of David's wives. Remember, David, unfortunately, had committed adultery with this woman who had led to the, the killing of her husband, Uriah. Remember, David sent Uriah to the front line so that he would be killed to cover his tracks and committing adultery with this woman Bathsheba. But anyway, after he had died, he had taken Bathsheba as one of his wives. So anyway, now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. So she gave birth to Solomon. So she said, do you come peaceably? And he said peaceably. And the reason why, you know, there's some anticipation on her part because he did, she didn't actually know had Adonijah would have responded. Because remember, Bathsheba had brought news back to David when he was on his deathbed about Adonijah's plan to become the next king over Israel. And so she didn't know what he would do, whether he was going to you know, attack her or whatever. So that's the reason why she asked this question, do you come peacefully? And he said, peaceably. Moreover, he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, okay, say it. Then he said, you know the kingdom was mine. Now, listen, at this point Adonijah is absolutely delusional because remember, God had already spoken to David concerning his successor, and his successor was to be Solomon and not Adonijah. So Adonijah is actually a little bit delusional here. And then he goes on and he declares, and all Israel had set their expectations on me. And that wasn't true. It was just a small party that was a part of Adonijah's attempt to take the kingdom. And all Israel had set their expectations on me that I should reign. However, the kingdom has been turned over and has become my brother's, Solomon, for it was his from the Lord. Notice he makes special mention of that, that it was all a part of God's plan. God had elected Solomon to be the next ruler over Israel. So he testifies to that here in verse 15. But he hasn't given up yet. He still wants to be the next king. So keep that in mind. Now, verse 16, I ask one petition of you, do not deny me. And she said to him, go on and say it. Then he said, please speak to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you, that he may give me Abiashag, the Shunammite, as wife. Now, we were already introduced to this woman in chapter 1, in verses 2 through 4. Let's go back and revisit that just for a moment, if you will. So let's turn back to chapter 1 and verses 2 through 4. Let me set this up for you. David has sort of become an invalid. He's already on his deathbed. And with that said, verse 2 of chapter 1, Therefore his servant said to him, Let a young woman, a virgin, be sought for our Lord the King, and let her stand before the King, and her care for him, sort of like a nurse, and let her lie in your bosom, that our lord the king may be warm so he had a- actually lost his ability for warmth so the idea here was that she was going to lie next to david on his bed and she was going to lend him his heat in my
1: father's house there's a place for me in my father's house
0: Thanks for listening today. In My Father's House is delighted to bring you Pastor Mike Venizio. Pastor Mike has been working through the book of 1 Kings, where we've encountered the reign of Solomon. One of Solomon's greatest achievements was the building of the temple. The temple he built was glorious. If you've ever wondered about how God feels about artistry, then you need to read 1 Kings 7, where the building and furnishing of the temple is described. Solomon could have kept it simple, but he ordered an abundance of artwork to honor God in this building. Artistry of all kinds can bring glory to God, the one who first created beauty. The first thing Solomon did when the new temple was complete was bring offerings to God. Part of our worship of God is offering Him our time and money. If you want to give to the work of God as a part of your worship, we would love to have you partner with us. It's easy. Just head over to our website, HarvestNYC.org. Once again, that's HarvestNYC.org. Come be a part of spreading the Word of God. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Manhattan. If you're out of the area, we'd still love to hear from you. Please send us a quick note at HarvestNYC.org at Verizon.net. That's harvest, NYC, at Verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages have reached. We've reached the end of our time for today, but we'll be here again next time, and we hope you will too. See you right here on In My Father's House.
1: Oh